Welcome to another edition of the Customer Secrets Podcast. This is where, this is the podcast where we study personality temperament as a way of finding more about our customers so that we can sell faster and more effectively. Remember, the first step in any sales or marketing process is to know your customers. That's what this podcast is about. We're going deep to find out what motivates our customers and what we use is personality temperament to guide us in that process. In this episode, we're gonna interview Vanessa Zami, who's a business coach. And what we're trying to do is to discern her personality temperament and what her values are. But we're gonna go a little bit deeper than that and try to figure out her four letter Myers-Briggs personality code. Now in this interview, which you'll hear, I peg her as an ESFP. Since reviewing the conversation, I think I'm switching that to an ESTP. Uh, I was looking for clues to see if she was feeling or thinking, but you know, after all is said and done, I think she is right. She picks herself as a T, and in this case, I do believe her. So as we go through this interview, what I want you to do is to listen for those values that are associated with the warrior personality temperament. Now the warrior personality temperament in the Myers-Briggs system is the person that has the S for sensing and P for perceiving. And together they make a unique combination. It's kind of like mixing colored water. If you mix red water and yellow water you don't get yellow water floating on top of red water. You get a new combination that's completely different. It's going to be orange. Mixing the S and the P together gives us a unique combination, which I call the warrior. And the warrior, and you, you'll see it. You know, they, they're, they're a little bit more aggressive. They're, 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 you know, the warrior is designed to take the battle to the enemy. And she does not shy from a battle, uh, which is could be a really good quality in a coach. But the, the interesting thing about this interview is that it goes south. And that is totally my fault. Um, I violate one of the rules of personality, temperament, and I try to recover in the interview. But you'll see and you'll hear exactly when it goes south but I'm not gonna tell you this ahead of time. I want you to listen for it, and then after the interview, we'll talk about that a little bit more. So, but I wanna, what I want you to listen for is her, the things that are important to her, which are her values, her guiding principles. Um, and if you need a list of them, you'll find them in my book, Selling by Personality Type by Tim Van Milligan, and this is on, it's a Kindle book on Amazon. Use that. It's kind of like a bingo card. When you hear those values, check them off. Uh, when you get to the end, you know, if you have more values checked off in the warrior section versus the logistical section, that is how we type a person, is by their values. Uh, but you can also pick up behavioral clues, and this is how other people type other people. Uh, they look for behavior, and so I want you to also listen for some behavioral clues. 
So, you know, like one behavioral clue of a warrior is is about self-promotion because they value being impactful on the battlefield and they want to get noticed because the biggest, baddest warrior on the battlefield, nobody wants to fight. It's kind of like the story of David and Goliath. When Goliath came out, he's big and bold and he's got this reputation and none of the people wanted to fight him. Only little David wanted to fight him. Or he didn't really want to fight him. He just, he saw an opportunity to fight him. But nobody else on the battlefield wanted to fight him. And because of that, you survive longer in the battle when you make an impact. And so that's a warrior quality and it's a behavioral thing. Um, so listen for that, you know, self-promotion. All warriors do it, so I'm not picking on any one particular person for doing this. It's just one of those things. Also listen for what's important to her. When she talks to clients, the questions she asks them. You know, she is interested in what motivates another person, and I just gave it away. She's listening for motivation because, again, on the battlefield, when you're going into a battle with an unknown enemy, what do you talk about? So that's what they want to know is how motivated and how aggressive the the enemy is going to be when they fight him. So listen for the questions that she asks. Okay, so that's kind of what I want you to listen for as we go into this conversation. And then as we come out, we're going to review what clues she gave off that reveal her personality temperament. And then we'll also talk about what things that I did to screw up this interview. And I, I tried to correct, and you'll hear that, and, you'll, and I want you to listen for what I tried to do to get the, the vehicle back on the road, on the right path, you know, to lead to a successful conclusion. So this is Vanessa Zami. She is an ESTP. Today we have Vanessa Zami with us as our guest, and she is the founder of a company called Your Visions Catalyst. So Vanessa, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Tim. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. Love being here. Yes. So, so Vanessa, tell us about your your business and you know what makes you special and you know how do you serve humanity? Yes. Well, I serve humanity by, so a business coach. So I'm the side hustlers coach. I coach new entrepreneurs. I coach aspiring entrepreneurs on how to launch their business without quitting their day job and without the overwhelm. Um, because that whole, you know, there's a whole words and stereotype where you have to like burn all the bridges. You have to like quit everything. You have to just go all in and you'll be successful. And the truth of the matter is, as you probably know, Tim, like starting a business is not that, that easy. Like you're not just gonna, you know, quit everything and then voila, money comes in the bank the next day, right? So essentially helping people, guiding people through how to get their business going without, you know, the whole quitting the job and trying to burn all the bridges and bring all that stressful energy, you know, into their business. And so I work on a three-part process with people on, you know, business strategy, development, marketing, um, and sales and all that stuff within their business. So, yeah. So somebody comes to you and says, I got an idea for a business. What's the first thing out of your mouth? 
Amazing. <laughs> um, let's get into it. So essentially what I call people on, so the first thing I, three parts, plan, prove, and produce, right? And so the first part, essentially what I'm asking them is, okay, what is your idea, right? Like what, what is it that, what is this idea that you actually want to do? And actually the first question that I always ask people, and I encourage for those listening, right, ask yourself this question as well too. On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the highest, how much do you want to start this business, right? And the reason why I ask that question is because without the passion and without the drive and without the willingness to make this happen, if it's just like a, oh, I had this idea for this thing and it seems really cool because everyone else is starting a business. So let me start one too. It's, that's, not, that's not the energy that you need, right? You, want, you need to be in a place where your business is at least a nine or a 10, or it's like an eight, an eight, I can work with eight. Um, and it's something that you actually want to move forward with. For example, one person I spoke with a couple months ago, she said, I have this idea for this coaching business. And I was like, okay, great. And she's telling me about the coaching business. Then I get to this question and I ask her on a scale of one to 10, how much do you want to start this business? And she sits there silently for a really long time. I thought we had lost connection. <laughs> and I was like, mm, okay. Um, and then finally she comes back and she's like, a five. And she, in her mind, and what she mentioned after that, she's like, it's a five. She's like, whoa, I thought I was going to actually be higher. Like, what? Um, right? And in her mind, like, literally she said this to me. She thought it was going to be higher. But at the end of the day, it was only a five. Right? And that is the reason why she hadn't started the business or had it done well in the business because it was only a five for her. It wasn't gonna drive her and move forward. And so the first question I always ask people and I want you to, you know, for, as listeners, ask yourself, right? On a scale of one to 10, how much do you want to start this business? And if it's less than an eight, then go back to the drawing board with either a new idea or, you know, go through like what it is that you actually want to achieve in life, right? So now let's say your business is an eight, nine or 10. Then I work with people on, okay, let's get going on what is, what is the actual idea, right? Like if it's, I just want to coach people on fitness or I want to start an app. One of my clients was looking at starting, a, starting an app um, and building a new product for um, women on you know, beauty and skin and all that other stuff. Right. And so from there it was like, okay, but what is like, what is it that you're actually trying to solve for? Right. So what I guide people through, okay, what is the problem that you're actually solving for? Right. And how are you going to solve it? And who is it for? Because as new entrepreneurs, we always want to help everyone. Right. Um, and I made that mistake too. <laughs> Back in the beginning, I was like, I want to help everyone like this, this, right. Like everyone can start a business at the end of the day, right. Every nine to five or every cubicle employee can start a business. Um, and so I was like, I want to help everyone. So, but essentially, you know, the riches are in the niches as they say in business, right. The riches are in the niches. And so I work with my clients on, you know, what is that niche that you're solving for? Right. What is that? You know, what is, who is your, I call it your most important audience that you are solving for for your business, for your idea, right? And from that, that then essentially like informs all the other marketing and sales work that we do um, together. And then along with that as well too, because I also, I work with nine to fivers, you know, and people with families, especially you have other responsibilities other than a business, right? You're not working on this business. Like it's the only thing that you do when you wake up and when you go to sleep, you just do the business. That's not a thing for my clients. So what I also work on is a really in-depth, we do a three-hour workshop one-on-one on just, okay, how do you, how are you going to manage your business and your life? So what is it you got going on in your life? And what does it take to make this business happen? And how are we going to manage that together? And so that is, that involves a whole in-depth process. Um, but a key thing for your audience to know is essentially 
like non-negotiables, we start with non-negotiables. Like what is that thing where it needs to happen either every day or every week for you to feel just happy with yourself? doesn't matter if it's a business or life, but just like for me, now starting my business, I had to sleep every night. Otherwise, I would sleep at the cubicle. So I ensure that I got seven to nine hours of sleep a night, for example. Um, for some of my other clients, it's, you know, hanging out with friends, um, getting some laughter in every day, doing yoga every day, exercising. Um, for some people, it's not sleep. They're like, if I don't sleep, but I still get work done, then it's all good for me. Um, but essentially, what is that non-negotiable that you work with? But then we also work on developing like a whole six-month calendar, one-week calendar, all that stuff um, as well, too. In addition to then working on the actual, like, nine-step process to building that business. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's go with a weird question. What mental tools would you say for others to adopt that would bring success in their life? What mental tools would I say for others to adopt that bring success in their life? Yes. Well, actually, that reminds me of, um, so I recently wrote a, a book, launched a best-selling book earlier this year called Finish, a Solopreneur's Guide to Getting Stuff Done. And in that book, I go through essentially time tips. Um, and so, and the lifetime tips that connect to the mind. And so it's how I've been able to get all stuff done in my life that I've been able to and that I will continue to do in my life. Um, but for example, but the one key time tip that I tell people is time is your best friend. And what I mean by that is my whole concept is that time management is ridiculous. It just doesn't exist. Like you can't manage time. It's just not, it's, you have 24 hours, I have 24 hours, Beyonce has 24 hours, Oprah has 24 hours, Bill Gates has 24 hours. Everyone's 24 hours, you're not managing those 24 hours, right? Um, but what you can have control over is how you feel and how you deal with the 24 hours that you have. And so I just like to say time is my best friend. Um, and that is what I guide people through as well too in my coaching um, is how do we work through you know, getting rid of that stressful anxiety, overwhelm, you know, drowning feeling that people have when they're trying to get it all done, right? We're all ambitious people as entrepreneurs. We're all ambitious. And so sometimes that can get in the way of doing the great work that we want to do because we just get stuck in our heads. We're like, I don't have enough time or I have too much time or, you know, and then it's either you don't do anything or you do way too much. Um, and part of the whole concept of time is your best friend is working with time, right? Understanding that it's there to help you. Um, it's not there to like, it's not like a villain that's like trying to like get you and like, ooh, right? Um, and working with time to think of it as, you know, the person who always has your back, right? Think of time as, you know, the person who, if you ask for more time, you're gonna get more time, right? Um, if you ask for less time, you're gonna get less time. But even just the moment of, you know, when we're, really enjoying something, for example, right? And time just flies by, right? And because it's just having a great time with you, it's just like, oh, yay, um, you're enjoying this, I'm enjoying this, woohoo, right? Whereas if it's like dragging along, it's because you guys just aren't working well together. Um, and so that's just a whole, whole thing about that. But yeah, but time is your best friend, I would say, is the, the mindset tip um, that would give people. And part of that is also additional lifetime tips, which I'm happy to get into. Uh -huh. sure, sure go ahead describe oh, okay. a couple of them all right well um uh, encourage thy fallen baby so encourage thy fallen baby um is all about the concept of okay let's say encourage thy fallen baby baby and also like we are all flexible um and so embrace your flex so but part of that is okay a baby is walking from one parent to the other parent right and they're learning how to walk and so they take the first five steps and then they fall now what you could do to this baby is you can say 
oh my gosh, you're like the worst baby ever. Like you get no dessert, like awful. How could you not walk this other parent? Can't believe you fell. Oh, the worst, right? That's one, that's one response that someone could give. Um, but no, you're not gonna t- you're not gonna tell the baby that you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, yay, you went five steps, awesome, get back up, keep moving forward, like you got this, right? You're gonna encourage a fallen baby. And so as you encourage that, that fallen baby, also encourage yourself, right? Like you are not gonna, let's say you have 20 things you want to get done today, and you don't want to get done like 10 greater than zero, right? At least you got through 10 of the things that you want to do on your list, right? Um, and now you are better informed about how much, like, why did it only, you only get 10 things done? Was it because something took you longer than you thought it was going to take? Great, new information. Use that next time, right? You think about your to-do list, right? And so thinking about encouraging the fallen baby to also encourage yourself, right? And so don't be hard on yourself, right? When you just, things just didn't work out the way you wanted them to work out. Right. Um, and then also in terms of flexible, right. In terms of we are all flex, flex, it's also just, just shifted. You know, you only, you had 20 things you wanted to get done. You got through 10, you got another 10 that didn't get done. Great. Plan it for another day. Right. And so, especially like when you're launching your business while you're also maybe managing a family, you're also managing your cubicle job. Right. And maybe it's like the, there's an impending deadline for your job and things went awry and you had this deliverable and then maybe something just crashed and you know now you're at the office an extra two to three hours well yes now we're at home for an extra two to three hours um and originally you want to work on your business but you didn't you know and so it's just okay well well, the things you're going to work on your business today plan it for another day like the world's not going to end you know um and so it's just being flexible as well too and encouraging yourself to keep moving forward. So, yeah. Okay. Is that, is that uh, how you get over your own overwhelm is, you know, that attitude of flexibility or is there something else that we're missing? Um, yeah. So essentially <laughs> that's all, all things I mentioned is how I've, I've lived my life. And um, so what encouraged me to write my book was essentially everyone for the past 15 plus years, people always ask me, Vanessa, how do you do it? Vanessa, how do you do it? And I'm just like, what are these people asking me? Like, um, and so at the end of the day, I was like, oh, they're asking me like, how do I accomplish my goals and how do I get stuff done in my life, right? Like I just like do stuff and everyone, I just do it free flowing um, without any stress, without any anxiety. I just go and do stuff. Um, and part of that is all the tips that I've mentioned prior. Um, and there's also even more stuff too, um, but that's what encouraged me to write the book to begin with. And I would say another key concept is optimistic realism. Um, and so I call it optimistic realism, but I came up, came up with this term back in 2014. It was with the summer I was talking to my friend and she said, you're very optimistic. And I was like, eh, I don't say I'm optimistic, right? Like when I think optimistic, I think like, you know, skipping down, skip to the loo, down the street, you know, 24-7. I'm like, eh, I don't really know. Um, I like, so I like to call it optimistic realism. And so I see that there's a gray cloud. Like, yes, it is gray outside. It is a cloudy day, sure. But I also see, oh, look at this beautiful rose bush. Oh, look, I am awake today. Oh, look, I, right? And so it's, I acknowledge that, yes, there's, there's a virus, there's a pandemic happening. Sure, yes, like racism is real. Sure, yes. I'm still alive here. I'm still able to make a change in my business. I'm able to, I had the opportunity with your business catalyst to empower people to free themselves economically. Um, I, you know, so it's sort of like optimistic realism, like acknowledging like, yes, like bad things are happening, right? But also there's also some good. And so that is generally also how I live my life. Um, it annoys some of my friends. <laughs> um, in terms of, especially when they come to me with a problem, I'm always like, 
hmm, I always have like an optimistic spin to it. Um, and it also helps me to be more problem solver. So my zone of genius is problem solving. And part of that, me being able to solve problems is me having an open mind to address that, yes, there's a problem, but there's probably also a solution. There's probably also an answer to the question um, that we can create from the problem, right? To get us to a place where it's not a problem anymore. So, yeah. Okay. So that, now in this podcast, we talk about human personality. Mm -hmm. So I want you to think of your ideal customer and what type of personality that they have. So this is, this is somebody that you want to work with. So yep. describe their personality to us. The person I want to work with, my ideal client, um, is someone who, so they are nine to fiver right they that's well, not they personality a, that's not personality that's demographic yeah, they, that's, i'm getting there i'm getting there i'm getting there i'm getting there tim Let me get, um but yes yeah, so i'm setting up the stage here right so it's their nine to fiver and essentially what that means is nine to five they have an idea they're looking to launch they've already launched their well they launched quote unquote um their business already it didn't go too well so right now they're at a place where they're stressed out they're overwhelmed they feel like they are, you know, but they're ambitious. So they're ambitious, right? Okay, that's they, the first one. That's the first one. Business. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, but stressed out is also part of personality, right? At the end of the day. Um, and well, so, but they're also e like- Everybody gets stressed out though. So that could- mm, Debatable. Um, there are people who, uh, I, and it depends on how you define stress, right? Like in my opinion, like I listen like I stopped getting stressed out probably about 12, let's see about 11 years ago um and it's and i think about stressed out i think of it like there's you have a lot of things on your plate to do right versus you feel like nothing's gonna get done nothing's working out for you you're overwhelmed you feel like you're drowning right like that's just like different right and so sure everyone has a lot of things to do sure maybe you can say that right um but the way you approach it the way you feel about it is different and so my client, the person I'm working with, is they're at the stage, the current stage, um, when they first come to me, is that they are overwhelmed, they feel stressed out, right? They feel like things aren't working out for them or that they can't do it, right? And sometimes on the extreme end, they'll feel like quitting on their job, on their business. And so they feel like, you know, entrepreneurship isn't for them, the business is not meant to happen. And so they're ambitious, so they started the business and they were very hopeful. By the time that they come to me, they're stressed out, they're overwhelmed, they're drowning, they feel like there's nothing that they can move forward with. Um, and yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. So what you're describing is, is a past experience, but not the internal personality of the person that you wanna deal, deal with. You know, somebody that, that comes to you. Um, so, so dig a little deeper, see, ah, see what okay. you can come up. Got it, got it. Let me see if I get what you're saying. So essentially, the person internally, um, their ambition, they have a mission to serve. And so they're purpose driven. And so like when I talked about the whole on a scale of one to 10, like it's an eight, nine, 10. Um, it's also just like their why for their business is more than just them. So it's they have a willingness or it's a, a drive to serve. Um, like it's not just I want to make this business for money. It's I want to create this business for an impact, right, on people around me or on their community or on the world, et cetera, right? And so someone who's ambitious, they have 
a drive to serve and to impact, um, and which is not everyone. Um, and let's see, what's the internal characteristic of them? Um, is that most well, part of that is that they're generous, they're kind, you know, um, they are listeners. And so when I say listeners, it's more of a open-minded. So they're open-minded. Um, when I say open-minded, it's they, at the end of the day, that open-mindedness leads them to being, you know, coachable <laughs> um, and also um, leads them to really understand that key component of starting a business where it's, it's all about your customers, right? Um, and what are your customers, what are your ideal clients saying to you and how do you then pivot and do your business based on that? So, yeah. So I'll say those are the top three. <laughs> well, what you got going there, you got, let me count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine, 10, 11. So I got ambitious, hopeful, mission-driven, has somebody that has a big why, drive to serve, impactful, generous, kind, open-minded, coachable, right. yeah. and you know, and it's about the customers. <laughs> so I was writing them down as you were going there. So how do you, now that's your ideal client. So how do you mm -hmm. differ from that? How do I differ from my ideal client? Yeah. Um, I would like to think of it as I am this. Well, no, Ante, from when you think about those 11 characteristics, I'm the same as them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. Yes. When you think about those 11 characteristics, I am the same as them. Yes. Yes. Okay. When you think about like the stage of where they are in their business, I'm different. But in terms of right. who they are, right, right. okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Have you ever taken a personality assessment? Yes. Mm -hmm. Tell me about Several. that. Yeah. Um, I used to be obsessed with those. <laughs> I had this whole thing where I was obsessed with like leadership theory back when I was starting in like um, starting to think about business. I used to be pre-med and I started going to the business field and I was like, oh, leadership theory. Um, I started to be obsessed with it. But anyway, it's a lot of personality tests because um, also I'm a woman. I have many different, many different interests in life. And so part of me taking those personality tests was also like, okay, what career should I go for? Like, what should I, like, what should I do? Because um, I have a lot of interest. So, like, there must be something that works for me. And so that was my whole drive to, like, take a whole bunch of uh, personality tests that told me my strengths and my weaknesses and, like, blah, 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 blah. Point being, um, that essentially what happens is that I take those tests and every test and also, so I took those tests where it's, like, the natural test and then, like, um, prior jobs that I've had, they've had their own, like, we have our own personality, like, things that we do, too, to, like, help our employees relate to each other, you know, et cetera. So I did those two, but in every situation, lo and behold, the conclusion is that I am like in the middle, that makes sense, right? And so I have pretty much everything. Like there was one test I took where I was literally like, there are four different traits, right? And they reach one percentage of all the different traits and it's supposed to add up to a hundred. And literally it was like, I'm like 30%, it was like 35% one trait, 33% another trait, 25%, like it was just like, they were all like the same. I was pretty much just like a dot in the middle. And so that's pretty much like how every test works out, except for Myers-Briggs. So Myers-Briggs, um, and so Myers-Briggs, I end up being an INTJ. Um, it's a trait, INTJ. And probably now I'm like at the cusp of INE now, depending on who you ask. But um, INTJ is the Myers-Briggs that done um and i yeah i truly believe in that and i read it and i'm really in tune with it and so so far it's been pretty great and i think it's like pretty it's one of those things where like everyone well not everyone, most people who take personality tests have taken 
the Myers-Briggs. And so it's like a definitely a great way to relate to it. Um, in terms of how I use that, I don't necessarily like use it in my business so much as to say that like, I'm an INTJ, who are you? Um, maybe I should, hmm. but yes. Right. Well, I'm an I. I'm an ISTJ. Oh, so I'm okay. uh, introvert, okay. which is the I. The S is yeah. for sensing. The T yeah. is for thinking, and the J is for judging. Indeed. I don't Indeed. type you as the INTJ, uh, but you know you can you can be what you want to be. <laughs> mm, how salty? No, no. I'm I'm curious. Why Why would you say I'm not an INTJ? Um, because. The, in my system, I first look for temperament, and and there's there's mm -hmm. four temperaments, and and the the temperaments are logistical, like me, somebody that's very logistical, you know, systematic, procedural, mm -hmm. you know, do things step by step. Mm -hmm. um, then there's the the strategist, the somebody that's kind of like a, a general in the war, and he's he's looking over the battlefield, and he mm -hmm. what really freaks him out is that one piece of evidence way over there that doesn't make sense, and yep, so he's yep. he's got to dive in to find out why that is over there. And then the third one is the morale officer. This is the, the person that encourages the rest of the army to get up and, you know, go forward. Um, and then the fourth one is the actual, the warrior. So, so it all kinds of like one army, you know, in an army, you need to have four different types of people. You have your warriors, your, your logistics that provide the materials. That's yep. me. Um, and then you have, you know, the morale officers that, that push everybody forward and then you have the the strategist that is kind of like the force multiplier. He says, you know, uh, we got limited resources, so let's let's deploy them in the way that's going to make the most sense. So now you, I picture you as the warrior. You're getting in there and you're mixing it up. Um, the warriors like a little bit of chaos. Uh, they're a little bit all over the place because in the middle of chaos, there's opportunity. Um, and 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 a warrior. Um, they, they don't have a preset plan, but they take what's available and then they use it. And, and it's a very cool trait to have. I wish I had it. I can see it in you because you, you're hey. like jumping all over the place. Um, <laughs> and that's warrior-ish like. And so now in the Myers-Briggs, the warrior is the SP. So you're mm -hmm. the, you said you're an, an, um, an NJ. Yeah. Um, so it, it's the opposite. That's what I'm seeing in you. Um, but, so, and then, yeah. but, mm -hmm. but then you're not the T because you're more relationship driven. Mm -hmm. you, 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 you talk about your friends and you say, you know, getting in business, talk about your customers. It's about your customers. Yeah. Um, and there's no way you're an introvert. <laughs> Uh, see Tim, here's the thing, Tim. So remember when I mentioned how like all those tests I took told me I was in the middle of everything. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. I am. So when you mentioned, well, first let's address the warrior part where you mentioned, well, you don't really have a plan. You just like go with it and you're just doing the chaos and you just like go all over. I always have a plan, Tim. I always have a plan. Right. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And it may not, but the thing about my plan is I don't spend six months developing the plan and then going. I develop a plan like I use my strategy to like develop well, plans quickly. I heard you. Yeah. See, that's, that's yeah, the warrior. Snapping, right. Yeah, and they, then they, they, they develop like their I, plans I quick. Also, yeah. Really? I develop my plans really quickly, but right. I do develop a plan. Right. And then using the experience that I've had, like prior life, it's like, it's one of those things where 
So I take action really quickly, but it's like effective strategic action. And there is a like method to the madness. <laughs> um, and that's, that's what I would say. It's like there's method to the badness. And it's one of those things where I am an introvert actually. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really like people Tim. But <laughs> <laughs> when I had to, when I entered, when I made the pivot from being medical school, like I'm gonna be a neurosurgeon to like, no, I'm gonna do business. So I can like learn these for-profit skills and take them to the nonprofit world. Like when I made that pivot, it was very much like, a, okay, I need to go to career fairs and like introduce myself and create a pitch and like all this stuff. And so then I had to like tap into that extrovert part of my life. Um, but at the end of the day, like I much right, like when people said you had to shelter in place and work from home and not interact with society, I was like having a party. I was having a party Tim, right. in my own mind. I was okay. having a party. Um, but I appreciate you saying that I am extrovert because essentially in business, well, with the whole relationship building part of it, like as a coach, I do have to build relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Like I can't just like come into my clients and just be like, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> like, you know, you know, it's just not like, that's not going to work. Right. That's just not going to work for my profession. And so I do have to adjust and adapt as needed. Um, and I do have those skills and the, the tools to adjust and adapt. Right. But at the end of the day, when I'm done talking with people, at the end of the day, I'm like, Ooh, man, breathe and breathe and relax. And yay, um, an inner okay. self, it's great. Um, okay. But yeah. That's I can see that. Too. If, if you, you know, okay. In hindsight, you're right. Um, the, you know, at the beginning, you said that you liked your sleep. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that's that downtime like the introverts have. Okay. So I can see that. Okay. Um, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? best way that people get a hold of me is to check on my Facebook page, Vanessa Zanny. But really, if you go on www.vzamy.com, so V for Vanessa, and then my last name, Z-A-M-Y.com, vzamy.com, um, it'll direct you to a private Facebook group of a community of ambitious solopreneurs. And in that group, I'm very active in that group, <laughs> I'm connecting with people and just getting them moving and grooving and moving forward in their business. And so that group should still be open by the time you know, this comes out. Um, I am hosting a business training at the end of July, but I think you guys will not hear that. But essentially a free business training for people, five days, um, just going through different stages of business and how to get going and showing you got those business fundamentals in place using a logical system process there it is logistical <laughs> um <laughs> uh using a logical system process um uh that i developed to get people going forward but the best way to reach me www.vzami.com and it'll direct you to whatever the latest thing is that i'm working on but yeah Okay, great. On on behalf of our listeners, I I thank you for participating and being so, so high energy for us. Oh, Um, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I love it. I'm I'm not a high energy person myself. So having that energy kind of, you know, moves the podcast along. No, I appreciate that. Thank you, Tim, for having me. And I appreciate all that you're doing. I love that, you know, like focusing on, you know, what are those customer secrets for people? I think it's great and amazing what you're doing. So thank you. I love your, I love your spirit and aura and energy, right? Um, and so I'm pretty good at just like vibing with people. Well, seeing your energy. And so I'm energetic because you're not energetic and it's the whole thing. But if you were energetic, I would have been energetic. See? So, okay. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you. <laughs> so that concludes the interview with Vanessa. And so what I want to do now is to go through the process, kind of dissect it, and determine what personality type she is. 
Now, the big elephant in the room is I told you at the beginning that this interview, in my opinion, went south. Uh, what does that mean? Well, what I'm selling in this situation is the notion that I know personality and that I can read personality and she is not buying it. And so that's where this interview went south. And you could tell that when you sensed a little bit of stress in her voice when I told her that I didn't think she was an INTJ. I felt that she was an ESFP. And I've since changed my mind to ESTP. And we'll get into why I think she's the T rather than the F a little bit later on. The reason, though, that it went south is because I painted her into a corner. Now remember, there are always two universal values that everybody has on the face of the planet. And one of them is the value of freedom. I wanna be free to do what I wanna do. And when I told her that she was this type of person, I painted her into the corner and she didn't like being confined that way, put into a little box. And so she immediately responded with, here's the thing, Tim, you know, that tone of voice. You could tell there's a little bit of stress there. And this would have happened to any person regardless of their personality type. So don't think that it was just the ESTPs that would react this way. It would be everybody. Um, it, again, this was totally my fault. And this is one of my rules of personality is never, and I mean never, tell a person what personality temperament you think they are because you are always painting them into a corner and they're always going to react because they feel it is an attack on their value of freedom. And you can always tell when a person feels attacked when they react with a little bit of anger. Remember, emotions are always triggered when there's an interaction with a value. Since we know that anger is one of these emotions, we just have to turn it around and say, hey, what value in the mind of the customer do they think was interacted with? And in this case, what value do they think was attacked? And so we always go back to, you know, this one in this particular case is always the value of freedom. Now let's go through what were the clues that she gave off as to what her personality type was. Now this is the four letter code from the Myers-Briggs. For me, telling what a person is, an introvert or an extrovert, can only be done through behavioral analysis. What is the behavior of the person? Now I'm still looking for a way to tell introvert versus extrovert based on values or some other method, but I just haven't found what that other method is yet. So what was the behavior of the extrovert in this situation? Well, one of them was that when you, when you got her talking, she just continued on and she would actually talk over the other person. When I tried to, you know, ask another question, she just kept on talking and, and it's hard to understand the interview when two people are talking at the same time. It doesn't give me as an introvert time to 
analyze my own thoughts that are going on through my head. Now, this is this is me, you know, just giving a personal opinion. So don't just take it for what it's worth. Everybody has an opinion and they stink. Well, my opinion is that extroverts seem to have to speak words in order for the idea to form in their head. You know, it's kind of like they, it, the sound has to bounce off a wall, come back into their ears, then go into their brain, and then that registers as a new thought. Now, I could totally be wrong on that, but as an introvert, this is my perspective. So that's kind of why I think she was definitely an extrovert. You know, she, she got energy from just talking. And, you know, the more she talked, the more energy she got. So that's the E. So now the next thing I want to look for is temperament. Because temperament is going to give me two-letter combinations. I'm going to get two letters in the Myers-Briggs real quick. And in her case, it's the S and the P. You know, I use definitions to define temperament. And the warrior temperament is always defined with the letters S and P. So how do I know she's a warrior? Well, here's where the values come in. When she started rattling off all the values that she looked for in an ideal client, they were basically her ideals, her values, her principles of success. You know, she mentioned, you know, ambitiousness, uh, generosity, uh, instinctiveness, and impactfulness. And those actually words she used and those, you know, I asked you to go back into the selling by personality type uh, and use that kind of as a bingo card. And you can check those off as she was saying. Um, other things that she said that, you know, you can kind of use uh, kind of a semantic type of thing. You know, it's not the actual words that she used, but it was the concept that she was getting at. And uh, one of those concepts that she wanted to, you know, she didn't come right out and say, freedom of expression, but she did mention openness and open-mindedness, which is basically the same thing. You know, the person wants to, you know, have that ability to express their ideas. You know, freedom, I say, is a value of everybody, but for warriors, it's even more so. It's, you know, there's a hierarchy, and this one is like at the top of the list. So those two-letter combinations always give us the warrior, the S and the P. Um, if she was an NT, like she thought she was, we would have gone in the personality manual there and looked for those values of the strategist, you know, because the strategist is defined with the letters N and T. It's just not the values that she was displaying. She did have the T, and this is the one that originally, as the interview was going on, I thought, yeah, she might be the F. Because she did say, you know, and I mentioned it in the interview, where you know she wanted to help her customers. It was about the customers. But then later on in the interview, she did say, Tim, I don't like people. Well, because the F trait is all about helping other people and how what they do, what decisions they make affect other people. And the decisions that she was saying at this point in time in the conversation weren't about how it's affecting other people. It was how it's affecting her. And that's the T trait. And in, in her defense, 
I have that same trait myself. I'm an ISTJ, so I have that T in there. And my T is, you know, it's off the Richter scale really high. You know, when I make a decision, I, I it's not about me. It's about the situation and improving the situation. But it's definitely not about the feelings of other people, how they're going to react to that decision. You know, it's it's kind of like, you know, helping a child take off a bandage. It's got to come off. I don't care about your feelings, so we can either rip it off slow or rip it off fast. Slow is just going to make it, the pain lasts longer. Let's just rip it off fast. You know, it's not about the feelings of the person. It's about getting the job done. And that's that T trait. Okay, so that's how I define her as an ESTP. Uh, but then there's some other clues that are available that I'll go through now. Um, and the clues that we want to go through are behavior clues, thematic clues, style clues, and word clues. These are things that I've never heard anybody else talk about except for the behavior stuff, you know, type by behavior. So we'll go through that one real quick again. The first one is uh, you see this a lot in that self-promotion. You know, she had to mention a couple of times that she wrote a book um, and she, you know, she wants you to go to her website. Um, and it was about self-promotion. You know, look at me, look what I've done. And this is the warrior mentality where, you know, to be big and bold on the battlefield, you know, you want to make an impact and you want other people to know. Because if they don't know that you're a big bad warrior, they might want to fight you. Um, so you want to get that word out that you are, you know, you're not somebody to be messed with. Uh, warriors have this this dual nature. And you saw this in her. And, and that first part about attacking a problem really quick, I called their battle mode. They're in battle mode and watch out. You know, they're going to get the job done. But if you're fighting them at the same time, you know, you really have to watch out. And that part where the interview went bad, all of a sudden I felt I was fighting her and my only recourse was to get away as fast as possible. Um, and in this case, getting away was to agree with her. Okay, okay, I can see how you're the feeling type or I can see how you might have um, you know, intuition. And that's what people want. They want to be agreed with. You know, they, they, want, to, they want their values pr protected. And I wasn't protecting her values. I was attacking her values. And that was my fault. But the, uh, the flip side is they also have the party mode. You know, when a warrior is not in battle, he's going to party. Because if you're going to die tomorrow, what are you going to do tonight? You're going to have a party. So she was often going into party mode and, you know, her laugh was just below the surface and she was flipping back and forth between battle and party, battle and party, which is, you know, kind of cool to watch. Um, and, you know, and it's a good clue to understand when you're talking to a warrior. Okay, so now we'll go into a theme. The theme of the warrior when they're talking is about motivation. And I talked about this at the beginning of the, the podcast. They want to know situational awareness. What is going on? How motivated is the people around them? 
um, and you, you know, in the questions she asked her, um, her prospects, those are very revealing into what is important to them. Another thing about warriors that you'll often notice is they talk about energy. Uh, and she used this phrase a couple of times. In fact, she used the word negative energy. But when she talks about negative energy, like negative energy in the room, and this is a warrior theme that they use is talking about energy. And they also talk about out there, you know, like there's some kind of ether and your your words are going out there. Exactly not. It's hard to pin them down. They're just out there somewhere. And for me as a logistical, I am very place oriented. I want to know exactly, you know, if I have to go to the store, where is the store? Yesterday, I, I had to have a meeting with a with a client and he says, oh, I'll meet you at the uh, at the gate. Well, I get to the gate and it's a big area and there's a lot of cars parked there in the parking lot. And so I didn't know where to meet him. And this annoyed me to no great end because I didn't know where out there was. Another theme of the Warriors is about stress. They don't think they live in a world of stress. And she said this herself. She says, you know, I stopped being stressed 11 years ago. And I didn't buy that at all because stress... I can trigger it, and I did trigger it by accident when I when I said that she was an ESFP, and she didn't like it. But they believe, they have this theme in their lives that they are a laid back person, and so when you hear that, kind of think that you might be talking to a person of the warrior. Now, stylistically, this is another clue, another type of clue that I go through is style. In a previous episode, I talked about upspeak, and upspeak is like your voice inflection, your pitch goes up at the end of a sentence. It's kind of like asking a question. At the end of a question, you say, what? And your voice goes up. But some warriors, upspeak is very prominent. Now hers, there was none, none at all. I knew she was a warrior, and I was trying to figure out between being a thinking one or a feeling one. And the feeling ones are more prone to have upspeak. So that is a kind of a clue in hindsight that she is more of the T than the F. Another thing that warriors do is they speak in vast generalizations. They can take one piece of evidence and splatter it to cover everything in the universe you know it's, it's kind of like today is hot so it must mean that it's global warming well it's summertime so it's hot because it's summer you know maybe global warming does exist but let's not make that vast generalization and if you're in a battle this makes sense because you have so limited amount of time to make a decision before somebody's going to come in and try to kill you. So you have to make quick generalizations, but they spread it to everybody. So now, now the final clue is the words that she uses. Because I look, listen for key phrases, 
And this is how artificial intelligence, kind of like how the Facebook algorithm works, where they look for certain keywords or, or key phrases. And one of them that she used is the phrase, at the end of the day. Um, so when I hear that phrase, at the end of the day, uh, I know that, you know, this is another clue. It's not conclusive, but it's just another little piece of evidence. Now, there was three phrases that she said over and over and over again. And the, the words, the first one was the word like, like that comparison. It's, you know, it's like this. The other one that she mentioned a lot was and so. The two words and so. So if you go back and listen to our conversation, you'll hear that word and so. For me, as a, a logistical person, I use the word but a lot, where she uses the word and so. When, they, when people are learning acting uh, and in improvisation, one of the things they teach you is to never use the word but. Always use the word and. So this is very typical of a warrior is the word and. They're just going to add something to it. And then finally, the one word that she used a lot was the word right. She would say a sentence and say, right? You know, the sky is green, right? <laughs> Those three phrases, like and so and right, I started, you know, I went back through the conversation and I went through it with a fine tooth comb. And during when we were actually talking live, I didn't notice it. I only noticed it when I was analyzing it later. But those three phrases, and so, like, and right, were said on average once every seven seconds. And in some cases, you know, she would say the word right. She, one time she said it four times within five seconds. And I'm not being nitpicky here. It's just something that I'm, I'm a little bit more attuned to uh, because I'm learning personality like you, and I, I want to know why people say these things. And this is, you know, I, I throw this into um, either style of the warrior or, you know, the type of words that they, you often hear them saying. Now, the word or the question right is a rhetorical question. Whenever she said it, she wasn't waiting for me to answer with a yes or no. It was rhetorical. So she would say it and then just go right on. And one of the things that I always say is that rhetorical questions are lead directly back to somebody's values. So whenever she says the word right, I'm trying to go back and say, what values did she just say that she believes in? Because she didn't want an answer. She already knew the answer, and the answer was yes. Do you agree with me? Yes. You know, that's what she was trying to get at. Now, <clears throat> there could have been another reason for this, and that is to get the word yes as a response. Now, us salespeople were taught this technique called the foot-in-the-door technique. 
Now, the foot in the door technique is a way of getting small commitments from a customer so that you can ask for a big one later on. So during the process, you get yes over and over again. And then finally, you can say, hey, can you sign on the dotted line? And since they've been saying yes so many times over and over again, it seems natural that you'll just agree with them. And that could be, I don't think she was doing it on purpose. It's just, it's, you know, it's her personality, which is why, you know, I like to study this stuff. So uh, what could I have done different in this interview? Um, I feel really bad about screwing it up and I apologize for it. I apologize to you and to Vanessa. Um, I should not have, you know, given my opinion on what her personality type was and painted her into the corner. So learn this lesson like I'm, I'm learning it over and over again. You know, I'm supposed to be this big guru, you know, doing things right and I'm screwing up and I'm hoping you aren't screwing up, but I do screw up often. So, you know, l at least learn that part. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm learning too. Okay, so this is another long episode. Um, I, I did enjoy it. It was a lot of work though, going through it, trying to pin down her personality type, making sure I got the right clues that I could give you so that to help you learn too. Uh, so we're going to do this again in the future. You're listening to the Customer Secrets Podcast. I appreciate you coming out here. And until the next time, you know, have, have a great week.